Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. I am, I'm blown away by the generosity of our church. It's so cool to hear how everyone's just rallied around the global gift. We've rallied in this time. Uh, just going back to, I shared this at the beginning of the series, I struggled with even doing this series and, and just thinking, I struggled even with thinking, should we even do the global gift of this time? Should we do, should we run this series on abundance and generosity in this time? And, and as I was praying through it, it was supposed to be a two-part series, and the Lord turned it into a five-part series. And, and I just, uh, I was a little hesitant because just the time we're in, right? It's, it's a crisis time, and we have people, we have people um, who are struggling financially and losing jobs and, and all these things. And, and it's been so cool to see our church rally around the community and outside of our community, guys. It's not, I mean, the global gift, uh, so much of that goes outside of our community, outside of our church, into St. Jamestown and, and around the world. And, and, uh, and, but even within our community, if, when people have lost their jobs and been struggling financially, we've just heard story after story of people in the church coming around other, uh, others. And I, I love the generosity that has come out of our church in this time. And, and so if you remember this, this series, uh, my heart for this series for us was is just to really give us a mentality shift, is really give us a perspective shift on generosity. And, and throughout the series, I felt like uh, I've been kind of preaching to the choir in a lot of, in a lot of respects because you guys are already doing it. Uh, but I know that money is money's still there. It still has a hold on our hearts, even though uh, for some of you, uh, it may not have a complete hold. Like there's still something there, right? And, and that's, uh, that's what this whole series is supposed to do, is just really, really shift our perspective, release us into lives of generosity so that we can actually discover abundance and live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And uh, I've, I've studied this stuff for years. Like we're, today, we, we've been going through, uh, today we're talking about uh, return. That's the theme for today. We're talking about tithes and offerings today. And we've been kind of building up to this because often we start with tithes and offerings and I wanted to, to create in us a, a different mentality. So we talked about abundance and discovering abundance that first week and then discovering reward and generosity and sacrifice and now return. And it has like a, it kind of has a double meaning in this passage because as Missy read, God is saying, return to me and I will return to you. But he's also saying, test me and I will give you return. I'll give you blessing. I'll overflow on, onto you. I'll, 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 give, I'll give to you. And, and I'll take care of you. And, and so return here has kind of two meanings. Uh, but the first one is, God's just saying, return to me. Give me your hearts. And that's what the whole series is really about, giving our heart to God, giving our lives to God. If we can do that, being generous is easy after that. If you can give your life to God, giving your money is, is easy. Giving anything is, is easy because you're, you're you've already given everything back to Jesus. And... And as this is approached, I've studied tithes and offerings a little bit more intensely over the past couple of weeks. And just to make sure that what I give you today um, is, is, 
is, is right. And, and so I just want to give you a couple of stipulations about today. One, what, what we're going to go through today is, is really, it's what I know right now, okay? It's what I know right now about tithes and offerings and in, 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 in the scriptures. And so that's what I'm going to give you today. Um, guys, this isn't, uh, and I say that because some of you guys are going to hear what we're going to talk about today. And you may get offended. You may, your, your hearts may get a little tight or hard. Um, you know, maybe you've had a bad experience in the past with tithes and offerings, and maybe it's been legalistic for you, and, and it's been religious driven, and or maybe uh, you're, you've been part of churches, and it feels like all they want is your money, or all they want you to do is serve, all they want you to do is give to them. And, and that's why we've had this four-part series, and we're ending with this, because hopefully we've shown you the abundant life and generosity t- so, so you see that we're not a church that's, a, that's about that, right? So if you're just tuning into this one, go back and listen to the first four in this series because they all come together in, into this one. And, and the key is God wants your heart. He wants, he wants your life, really, and, and your heart in the, in the scriptures represents your entire being. So we want to give that to God first. And then if we can do that, guys, then, then all this other stuff is, is easy. Um, but so with tithes and offerings, that specific language, I'm going to give you what I know right now about these things. You know, uh, I'm, I'm open to discussing it. I'm, and we can't do that here because I'm staring at a camera right now and, and you're at home but I'm totally open to discussing it. I'm going to give you what I know right now. And the second thing, I'm going to give you mine and Missy's experience in this. And I'm going to give you what we do uh, so that hopefully you can imitate us as we imitate Christ. Or you can imitate us if we imitate Christ. And, and that when Paul says that, he's not saying, people often say, oh, how can I do that? But Paul is saying, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Don't imitate me if I don't imitate Christ. Just as I imitate Christ, Please follow in those footsteps. So hopefully we can, we can do a little bit of that this morning for you. Um, but think about a tithe and, and an offering. Just, just to be clear, tithes, we're, we're talking about a tenth. We're talking about a tenth of something. That's what a tithe is. Offerings, this is just for simplicity's sake, for us defining these terms. Uh, offerings would be anything above and beyond that. Okay. So tithe, a tenth, think a tenth of something. And then offerings would be anything above and, and beyond that. And when you think about a tenth of something, um, think about a dime, okay? You used to actually be able to buy a lot of things with just a dime. You know, you could, you could make a phone call with a dime, you know, when they had pay phones, if you, if you know what those are, and if you remember those, uh, which those are so gross to think about today, that they had pay phones, and you would kind of put it to your ear and talk in the, like, Today, they wouldn't have those at all, right, with the crisis we're in. But, um, but yeah, you used to be able to make a phone call with a dime. And it's where if you're, an, if you're a fan of basketball or the NBA and they say he just dropped a dime, which it, it refers to an assist. Someone gives someone a pass, an assist, to make a basket. And it comes from this. It comes from a phone call. You used to be able to drop a dime and you would assist somebody to make a phone call, right? So they would make a phone call. Um, and then, I mean, when I was growing up, payphones cost a quarter. Uh, but then they went to 35 cents. So you still needed the dime. You still needed a quarter and a dime. So they brought back the dime. Uh, you used to be able to buy, uh, you know, a liter of gas 
for a dime. You used to be able to buy uh, a meal item for a dime. Like you'd go to McDonald's and buy a, a milkshake or, um, you know, uh, a Coke, a Coca-Cola or, or Sprite or something. Uh, and then you'd pay 15 cents for, for your uh, hamburger. So you're already two-thirds of the way there if you had a dime uh, for your hamburger. So a dime used to be worth a lot. And there's even an organization called March of Dimes that helps children with disabilities that was founded on people giving in dimes. Now, this is back around 1940, I think, 19, late 1930s. Uh, they, they would urge people to, to, to give in dimes because they thought, if we, can give, if we can get someone to give a dime on the dollar and we have this many dimes, that'll add up to this much money. If we get a million people to give in a dime, wow, that's a lot of money. And that's literally the way they thought on dimes. Uh, but again, back then, dimes had a lot of value. These days, though, these, day, these days, though, you actually don't get a whole lot for the dime, do you? But even though you don't get a whole lot for the dime, a dime is still a tenth of a dollar. Just because the value of the dime decreased, the amount of the tithe of the tenth didn't increase. So, so now think about this, think about this in terms of the tithe, right? A tithe is 10 cents, it's a dime on the dollar. But the tithe didn't increase to 30% because the value of the dime decreased or lost its value, right? So, and, and, and back then, when you think about tithing, you know, when you're talking about uh, buying things with a dime, when you think about tithing, you're saying to somebody, give up a liter of gas. You're saying to somebody, that's a phone call, or, you know, that's a milkshake, or that's a, that's a soda, or pop, or whatever term you use. You're saying, man, that's, that, that seems like a lot, right? You're tithing that much. But these days, you probably wouldn't even stop to pick up a dime if you saw one on the road. You just, or on the sidewalk, and you just walk right past it. Most of you wouldn't even bend down. You, you might bend down for a quarter. You'd definitely bend down for a loony. I mean, loony here, for those of you guys who are joining us outside of Canada, is our dollar coin. And then toonie is the $2 coin. Of course, you'd definitely bend down for those, but... But a dime, most of us would just walk right past it because it doesn't have the value it used to have. But the tithe is still a tenth. Okay, so that has an increase for us. So this morning, I just want to give you kind of the last piece in shifting our mentality towards generosity. And I just really hope that you'll be released to discovering abundance in Jesus this morning. So this passage that Missy read is, 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 the, is, is the passage that a lot of people go to to talk about the tithe. It's why we read it. It's why we're using it. But this morning, uh, we're not actually going to walk through this passage like we normally do. I'm going to give you more of a, uh, of a biblical theology, so a larger thematic view of this book in Malachi. And then we're going to talk about the scriptures in that way, too, to help it, us inform the scriptures. So we're not actually going to go verse by verse in this. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to give you a, an overview of the book. And then after that, I'm going, to answer, I'm going to answer, address the top 10 questions or issues that I normally get on tithing. And we're going to try to go through that list 
uh, that list of things. So here in Malachi, in, in chapter 1, uh, which means the read out of chapter 3. So just bear with me. If you have a Bible, you can, you can look in it. Uh, but you can follow this through as I, as I go through. So in chapter 1, the, the theme here is that the people haven't given God their heart. Now, Malachi is the post-exilic prophet. So he's after the exile. This is in the second temple period for you guys who are historically inclined. The second temple period. Malachi is the last prophet before the intertestamental period, the 400 years of silence before John the Baptist comes on the scene. Okay? And, and so they're, he's, he's giving this to them in a time of uh, relative prosperity. They've gone back to their land. And, and he's giving them this word, and they're failing. Like they just came out of exile, which they failed, which caused them to go in exile. And now they're already back to, to their old ways. And, and it's clear that, that, that God isn't the one holding their hearts. That money and material possessions and wealth is what has a hold on their hearts. And, and there's, this passage, there's this verse here in verse 8 where, where God says, basically, would you present that to your governor? They're giving offerings and sacrifices and, and tithes, and, and, and they're, they're basically the leftovers. They're, they're giving God the leftovers. They're giving God the, the sloppy seconds. They're, they're giving God, they're not giving him their best. They're not giving him the first fruits. And he says, would you give that to an earthly ruler who's over you? Like how much more so, should, how much more so uh, should you not give it to me? And, and he says, no, of course, to the earthly ruler, you're going to give them the best uh, because you feel like there's repercussions. But hey, like I'm the Lord of hosts, he's saying. That's why this, this um, he's this is used all through. It's basically like, I'm the Lord Almighty. I'm over all things, and I've given you everything. And, and, and so that's the context for chapter 3 where it says, you're robbing me. Um, and this makes me think of two different accounts in the scriptures. One, it takes me back all the way to Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. And you have here Cain and Abel uh, who are giving offerings, and, Cain, and Abel's offering the first fruits, and, and Cain isn't, and and Cain's unfaithfulness leads to him murdering his brother. It leads to jealousy and dissension and disunity and envy and wrath and malice and then murder. That's what unfaithfulness leads to. It, and, it, and it does this, it's just this sin, like root itself in his heart and just, and just grew and grew and, and, and then it consumed him. And, and God is saying, that's happening to you guys. And it also reminds me of Acts chapter 5. The early church has just started, and they're, they're, in, their, they're, they're in their baby phase, right? Uh, and, uh, and Acts chapter 5, people are, this is a community of generosity, and they're selling property, and they're giving it to the poor, and they're taking care of one another. And it's like this awesome thing. Thousands of people are coming to the Lord uh, and pure, their number is being added to every day, it says in Acts chapter 2. And then Ananias and Sapphira, they want to also bless the church. So they sell a piece of property, and they say, we're going to give all of the money, all the proceeds from this to the church, but they only give a part of it, which is, which is fine. They didn't have to give all of it. The sin isn't that they, that, that they gave part of it, not all of it. The sin is that they lied about giving all of it. And... And, and they, they both drop dead, basically, it says, at Peter's feet, which is really shocking. Like, it's a really shocking passage. But God was not going to let unfaithfulness stop the nascent church. 
from growing up and maturing uh, into the body of Christ. So, um, so those two passages I think about when I see chapter one here. And then chapter two, uh, we have here, uh, the people's faith, faithlessness is not just in giving, but it's also in marriage. And so something is, is really off here because they're supposed to be a light to the nations. They're supposed to bless the entire nations, but instead they're, they're uh, being unfaithful in marriage. And what's at stake here is not just giving, it's not money. What's at stake here is legacy. What's at stake here is, is this nation that's supposed to be the vehicle for the Messiah. What's at stake here is discipleship and generational uh, influence. And so there's a lot more at stake here in salvation history. That's chapter two. And chapter three, God says this. He says, hey, return to me. Just return to me. And if you return to me, I'll return to you. It's an invitation, it's an open invitation saying, guys, I'm right here for you. Just, just come back to me. And, and so when you read the harsh language here that says, well, man rob God and, and things like that, um, remember, it's in the context of God saying, hey, just, just come back to me. I'm, I'm here for you. I brought you back to your land. I'm, I'm blessing you. And this is where you get confused. You're like, oh, well, I'm blessed, so I don't need to return to God. God's like, yeah, you guys are actually living in a pretty, pretty comfortably but your hearts are far from me. Just please return, and I'll return to you. And he says, test me. Put me to the test. It's almost like God is pleading with us. Just, just put me to the test, and I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And you see this, this just awesome uh, God. Uh, he, he refers to covenant language all throughout this in two things. Here he says, and all nations will call you blessed. All nations will call you blessed. This is verse 12. And that takes us back to Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant. He says, I will fulfill the covenant. That will be there. All nations will call you blessed. And the second thing is treasured, treasured possession he uses in here. And, and that, that goes back all the way to Exodus uh, when, when God says, right before the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 19, I will, I will uh, make you my treasured possession. He uses this terminology all through the scriptures uh, and... Um, a lot of places in Deuteronomy as well, but all through the scriptures, treasured possession. So here you see it again. And this is covenant language where God is saying, I'm Yahweh, I'm, I'm your God. We're intimate here. And, and so remember me. And then chapter four is all about the coming Messiah. And, and, that, and it leads us into John the Baptist and then Jesus, who uh, John the Baptist is the Elijah figure at the, end of, at the end of Malachi here. He fulfills that prophecy. So that's the context of the book of Malachi. And, and so let's remember that as we go into these questions because um, that's, that, that's, our, that's a part of our context for the entire scriptures as we go through these questions. Okay, so number one, first question that I, that I always get is, is tithing still biblical in the New Testament? Or, or it's phrased sometimes like this, now that we're under the new covenant, do we still tithe? Is it still Biblical. To answer that question in a word, I will say yes. Now, but let me explain uh, why it's still biblical. Um, and so for all these guys, just before you, before you um, uh, pronounce judgment, not in a bad way, but before you make a decision in your mind, um, it, let me explain. Uh, so in a word, yes, tithing is still biblical. Uh, the tithe is not just spoken of here in Malachi. Tithes and offerings, we, we talked about the difference there, but uh, they've, been, they've been given and offered to God 
we can trace them back to Genesis 4. I mean, Cain is making a sacrifice, Abel is making sacrifices, uh, but, but they're giving part of their proceeds in, in doing it. Now, we're not going to go into the sacrificial system, what that represents and all that. There's, there's so much theology there. We don't have time for that. Actually, in all these questions, there's going to be so much more I could say on them. Uh, but I'm going to just try to be concise on these. Um, so we're not going to go into the sacrificial system, but, but they're trying to give first fruits. There's the principle there of first fruits. But we see that explicitly we see the tithe, the tenth, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 14. And this is with Abraham and Melchizedek. And Abraham gives this king of righteousness, that's, that's what his name means, he gives this king that he meets, Melchizedek, uh, a tenth of all that he has. And Abraham was a rich guy, and he, he, he's very wealthy, and he gives him a tenth of all he has. And there's no explanation for it. Uh, he just does it. It's, it's kind of assumed, and he gives him a tenth. And, and we're not going to go into Melchizedek and who he represents and, and who he is and all this stuff, but there's a whole theology there as well. Uh, but let's fast forward to Genesis 28. Jacob also does this. Jacob does this uh, on his way to work for Laban. In Genesis 28, he, he meets God at, at Bethel, I believe it is, and, and he, he commits to giving a tenth of all he has, a tithe, to God. He says, I'm going to give you, and that's the quote, I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that I will have. So it's not just then, it's future and ongoing. He's gonna give you a tenth of everything I have, I will have, okay? Because he doesn't have much at that point in his life. Uh, so, uh, and, and guys, that's, that's such a good principle because I first started tithing when I got my first job at 16, or yeah, 16, and, and I just did it. And I didn't have much. I mean, you're talking about my paychecks are a couple hundred bucks, I think I got paid like four twenty-five an hour I started out or something like that. Yes, that's how old I am. My hourly wage was four twenty-five an hour. So, um, yeah, it, it just, uh, again, I tithed off of it. I just did it. So I did it without, with not a lot of money, and that's Jacob in this, in this position. And the, the reason I mentioned those two instances is that both of those are pre-Mosaic law. So both of those are, are pre-law, and the law was made up of a few different things, ceremonial, civic law, um, and, and kind of the moral code, and, and those make up the entire Mosaic law, and that was what was used to make Israel a theocracy in governing that nation, and that's the context of Malachi here. But these instances of tithing we're, pre, we're pre-law. So there's a pattern of tithing, of giving God 10% to kingdom things, to kingdom resources, before the Mosaic law. Okay? Um, and remember, Abraham, ah, there's so much theology here, but guys, was Abraham, well, we know, he, we can't call him Christian, but was he Jewish? Well, I mean, he came out of Ur, he, I, he started a nation, right? So he's, he's not even, so like what I, what I mean there is in terms of cultural, in terms of culture, he assumed the tithe. So there's something in the culture already about the tithe, about giving 10%, right? And, and Abraham just does that. Like it's natural, like it's assumed, okay? Um, just keep that in mind. So there's three implications here. 
that this is pre-law. One, this means that the new covenant understanding of giving and the tithe in particular doesn't necessarily replace the Old, under, Old Testament understanding of giving. So don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Okay? The tithe still has validity. There may be just a new way to understand it, perhaps. Okay, the second, second implication is this. And I already mentioned this, that Malachi in the book here, this is a unique context where Israel is under the Mosaic law and they weren't abiding by explicit instructions to, to take care of one another and to be faithful to God. So they weren't doing that. And so when you see this language in here, uh, that's, that's why it's so, so, it sounds so harsh. Uh, but if we just focus on arguing for the tithe or against the tithe out of Malachi, then then we have, then we're going to miss the fuller picture of the tithe throughout the scriptures. Okay, so that's why I don't love like why everyone goes to this and say, well, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. No, we can't exactly make that argument, right? Because it's it's a very unique context here. Okay, um, yeah. So, and then the third thing is, this also means that when Jesus says in Matthew chapter five verse seventeen, this is the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I have. I've come not to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. It means he doesn't completely do away with the law. Rather, he puts it in a new context. Okay? And the context is this. It's James 2. It's a law of liberty. It's Romans 13. It's a law of love. So the new covenant understanding of tithing actually evolves. Okay? It actually evolves. Right? So we're taking it out of a religious context, hopefully a legalistic context, putting it in a context of liberty and love. And there's an evolution there of our understanding of tithing and what it means. All right, let's go to question two. I know you probably have a lot of questions off that, but hopefully they'll be answered through the rest. Let's go to two, because we're running out of time. Number two is this. And don't worry, the last few are a little bit more, a little bit quicker. So what is the new covenant? So this second question, what is the new covenant slash New Testament understanding of tithing then. So in one word, it's generosity. One word is generosity. And then you could say, well, how do I know if I've been generous? How do I know if I'm being generous? And, and that question, guys, is, is, is a question of there's a bar and I want to be faithful and I want to reach it. So it may have a good motive, but it will, it will put you in a legalistic trap easily because you just want to get to that bar and say, well, I've been generous. I reached it. And so now that I'm here, I'm good. It's, and, and, but but that's, not, that's, that's not how it works. Generosity is, is something that we live out through a lifetime. So let's, let's put that question aside because really what it does is, uh, I use this illustration for a lot of different things, but um, if you think about, think about the heart of God, so you have the heart of God in the middle and you draw a circle around it, okay? You draw a circle around it. That question has, if you have arrows, that question has arrows pointing out. Where's the bar? Where's, where's, the, where's the boundary? How do I know if I'm being generous? How do I know if I'm, if I'm, if I'm making it, right? How do I know if I'm, if I'm not too far, right? How do I know if I'm in the general vicinity? Well, what you want to do is you don't want those arrows pointing out. You want, the, the, you want to turn those arrows around to point in. and Because you want to go into the heart. We want to go towards the heart of God. Well, when you do that, guys, when you're going towards the heart of God, what happens to that boundary line? Well, it doesn't matter anymore. It's not that it disappears, but it's behind you. 
and it doesn't matter anymore. Because you're not trying to find where that boundary line is. You're not a dog with a collar trying to find an invisible fence. And how far can I go away from the house before I get shocked, right? That's, that's the picture here. You're, you're trying to say, no, I love this house. Because guess what? The house is where people are that love me. The house is where I get food and they feed me. They do give me pretty substantial yard to play in. You know, whatever it is, as you know, in the dog analogy. Um, but we want to go into the heart of God. And, and when you do that, well, the boundary doesn't even matter anymore because you're satisfied and you're content with the heart of God. And, and that is sufficient for you. And, and so we want to take that away because just like the Old Testament assumes tithing, I also believe the New Testament assumes tithing. And, and so if that's the case, then that boundary is the baseline. And that baseline is tithing. It's a tenth. We don't need, again, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're not saying, oh, Old Testament doesn't apply, only New Testament, right? I think it's assumed, just like it was assumed in the Old Testament, it's assumed in the New Testament, tithing, this principle of the tenth, is assumed in there. Definitely the principle of first fruits is, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but definitely, uh, but, but I believe the tenth is assumed. So that's the baseline. So for, for um, me and my family, we, that's the base. That's the baseline of generosity for us, is a tenth. And actually, um, yeah. And so think about it, like for in, in my house, that's the least we can do to be generous. We just open the door and we're sitting in the foyer of generosity. We haven't explored the rest of the house of generosity yet. That's where offerings come in. That's where everything above and beyond that comes in. So the tithe for us is, is okay, we're going to start living. We want to live generously. Well, that's the baseline. That's the boundary. Now, the boundary is just behind, it's just behind me. But I see the heart of God there. And I'm going to go further into the heart of God as far as I can go. So that percentage is probably going to increase over time, which it does for us. And that percentage has increased over time. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, because here's the thing, guys. The New Testament doesn't just raise the bar of giving. Doesn't just, it doesn't just raise it. It removes it. There is no bar. Okay? The bar is gone. The sky is the limit. So in the New Testament, generosity is, man, you're giving your whole life to God. The Macedonian church is saying, devote yourselves first to the Lord. Now, when you've given God everything, well, the bar is gone. Like gener- being generous is easy. You don't have to worry about it. So if you think, if, if, you're, if you're sitting there thinking that the New Testament frees us of giving the tenth or the 10%, so you can give anything you want, or you're both right and wrong. You're, you're, you're wrong because it doesn't absolve you from the tithe, but you're right. You can give anything you want. The sky's the limit. And, and so, so feel free to do that. Um, and yeah, so oh, there's so much here that I, that I really want to say, but here's the key. I want to use whatever God gives me for kingdom purposes. And I want to try to do my best with that, with my money or purchases or anything like that, right? So that's the New Testament understanding of generosity. We want to further kingdom purposes. All right, let's go to, let's go to third. Again, we'll answer some more questions here. Plus, we have the Q&A after. So here's the third question. 
should all of my tithe go to the local church? I want to be clear here. There is not an explicit command in the Bible that says, yes, all of your tithes should go to the local church. However, I would say a good rule of thumb, hear me, a good rule of thumb is for all of your tithe to go to the local church. That's a good rule of thumb. Uh, for, for Missy and I, again, we're just sharing our example with you guys. For Missy and I, all of our tithe and more, actually, goes to the local church. Why is that? Well, uh, like, think about Malachi here. Just, just be clear, I'm not making any references here to Malachi and the storehouse, and uh, that's where they get fed, so you get fed from the church. That's why your tithe should go to the church, and he does about the full tithe here. I'm not making any references to that. Um, I don't think that's that's I don't think that's the the best place to to make an argument here. Uh, for us, this is why this is why we give to the, that why we give our tithe and more to the local church. And I know you're probably sitting there and say and you're saying, well, it's because you lead the local church. Yes, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we do. Uh, but that's not why we did this before we were leaders in in the church. We've I've done this since I was 16. Uh, before I even thought about ministry. So this has been a practice in our lives for, for years and years and years. And now uh, at Trinity Life, we, we do this. Um, and this is because I know for a fact that this organization is using those resources for kingdom purposes. I know that for a fact. I know that, and so I trust that. And so that's why we do that. And think about this, guys. God's, God's plan is, God's, God's plan A, his, his first plan is that the church is the hope of the world. It's, it's the church. That's his first plan. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the family of God. The church is the body of Christ, okay? And, and, and so uh, God has a special place in his heart that no other ministry no other organization has. The local church is the body of Christ. And, and, I, and I hear some of you guys, in your obje- and maybe not your objections, but your thoughts right now is, uh, well, you're, you're thinking about the universal church versus the local church and, and, and all that, but uh, I'm not going to get fully into ecclesiology right now, but here in Toronto, uh, most Christians I know, or a lot of Christians I know, um, I'm not, have a, a pretty weak ecclesiology. Uh, meaning that they think, oh, well, if I'm just part of, you know, a Christian this or a Christian that, that's, that's the church. No, guys, that's not the church, okay? And we're not going to get into, we're not going to fully get into this. If you want, we can um, some other time. Uh, but uh, the church, actually, we will get into this this summer. Uh, so wait till then, uh, because th- there's power in the local church where, where a group of believers says, we have decided to do this together and live on mission together, right? Like, I'm... I'm, I'm the, I would consider myself the feet of Trinity Life Church, right? I point us in, in the right direction. I don't consider myself the feet of name your church down the road. I don't consider myself the feet of name your church in the other country. Like, we're, we are together doing this together, living on mission together, and we've committed to each other to do this. So there's power in the local church. It's, it's God's plan A. But at the same time, the church doesn't cover everything, not every church covers everything. So there's value for other organizations and other ministries, right? So be generous there and, and give to those. 
Um, and we do. We, Missy and I do that. So and just to be clear, like we give more than a tithe to the church, and then we give more outside of that to other individuals, ministries, organizations. And, and I'm saying this because we just want to model generosity for you guys. I want to model life of abundance for you guys and say, ah, oh, just let yourself be released from the hold that money has on you. And, and remember, though, that if the church fails, and this is why we give uh, to the, uh, the full tithe, at least, to the church, is because if the church fails, what good are those other ministries and organizations, guys, other Christian ones, right? They've, they've become ineffective at best, obsolete, and even unbiblical at worst because they're not tied to the church, not tied to the local church, okay? The local church is the engine that drives those other, those other ministries. It's the breeding ground for all those other ministries. So if the church is fulfilling its mission, if your church is fulfilling its mission, and you believe in it, and you're benefiting from it, then give to it. That your heart will be there if you do that. That's what Jesus says, right? Your, your, your heart is where your treasure is. Okay, number four. This is a similar question. It's, it's, can I give part of my tithe to my church and part of it to another Christian organization? This similar question in question three. Uh, I kind of want to just address it separately. But first I'd say, if you're asking that question, first ask yourself if you're living according to kingdom generosity. Just say, God, what's in my heart? Am I living according to kingdom generosity or is this, is this some sort of money power play in my heart? Because... If you are living according to the kingdom of generosity, then guys, giving a dime on the dollar to your local church is nothing. That'd be nothing for you if you're full on generosity. Because some of you guys say, well, I also want to give these other organizations and ministries that I believe in. Well, hey, if you really believe in it, quote unquote, if you really believe in it and are passionate about, about what they're doing, and you're living a kingdom generous life, then it won't be a big deal for you to give an extra 10% to those organizations. So, so think about that. Think about that dynamic in your heart. I love this quote by Douglas LeBlanc. I think it'll be on your screen. He is an Anglican editor of different Christian publications. He says this. He says, how I donate my money expresses power. If I carve my tithe in a slices of my own liking, I tighten my grip on power. And mammon, or money, tightens its grip on me. I'm better aware of the ever-deepening joy found in God's generosity when I surrender control of the first 10% to the community that welcomes me, a wretched sinner, week after week, and challenges me to become something more. Ugh, guys, that's the family of God. If you have a community like that, and I hope you have that at Trinity Life, because that's what, that's, what, that's what I have at Trinity Life, uh, a, a community that welcomes me week after week, day after day, really, still being a wretched sinner, still failing, still making mistakes, still welcoming me, still loving me, still carrying my burdens, all those things. And why would you not want to give to multiply that community across our city and the world? That's, that, that's the, and, and yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with that quote. Okay, number five. Uh, can I give to non-Christian organizations? United Way, UNICEF, Red Cross, etc. Yes. But I'm not sure I will consider that in my categories of tithes and offerings because they're not Christian organizations. 
I would consider that a part of generous living. I would consider that a part of sowing kingdom seed, though. I would definitely consider it that. Um, And if I want to be a good steward of kingdom resources, I'm going to make sure I'm giving to things that use the money I give for kingdom resources, right? Because I want to be a good steward of that uh, for kingdom purposes, right? I'm going to give kingdom resources to kingdom purposes. Um, And that actually becomes more difficult with non-Christian organizations. But it can be done. Uh, We've done it. We, We do it. Our church does it. Our church has done it. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, we, we can talk, but, but um, we don't just give to Christian organizations. So, um, but, but it becomes a lot more difficult to, to discern, right? That's why partnership is so key for us in the New Common. Um, and, and just a note, there's some Christian, quote-unquote, Christian organizations that I would not give to for the same reasons. So it's not necessarily a Christian secular label that's the, that's the deal-breaker for me. Um, okay, number six, do I tithe on gross or net? Uh, this is, <laughs> this is I, I don't know where this question comes from sometimes. It, it, it comes off to me automatically as like a religious legalistic question, but I want to honor the heart of this by saying it, it might not be that for, for everybody, um, but I just want to appeal to the first fruits discussion. This is all about first fruits, guys. Uh, Genesis chapter four and onwards. Just give your first fruits to God. For some of you, you might say, well, that's not very definitive because for some of you might say, well, I don't actually receive the gross. I receive the net. So that's the first fruits of what I receive. So I tithe on the net and it's the first fruits of what has come to me. For some of you say, well, I don't want the government to take the first fruits. So I'm going to tithe on the gross. Guys, just live generous lives. Just be abundant. Do not dollar and cents God. I just, just live abundantly. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. And I would encourage you to not wait until you've seen what else takes your expenses. First fruits means first. Whether that's gross or net, first fruits means first. Tithe on that. Do not, um, do not wait to see if you have money left over. You're going to find yourselves in a Malachi 3 situation. You don't want to be there in a Malachi 1 situation. You do not want to be there. You do not want to give God your leftovers. That's just, yeah. So um, also, I will say that probably... Again, there's nothing definitive on this, but probably giving a tithe off the gross is more faithful to the principle of first fruits. Just kind of makes sense in my mind. But uh, I don't think God is up there dollaring and sensing you guys, so just don't do that to God. Uh, seven, uh, do I tithe on gifts, tax returns, etc.? Use the same principles as number six. <laughs> just live generously, guys. Uh, that's a conscience issue. Like you, you do what, what you want to do with that. Just have the generous mindset. Uh, number eight, can I tithe my time and talents? Yeah, sure, you can. But that does not exclude tithing on your money. Okay, sure, tithe on your time and talents. That doesn't exclude tithing on uh, your resources. It doesn't exclude tithing on money, just to be clear. Uh, when we talk about the tithe, it's all about money here. It's not about time and talents. But if you want to tithe on your time, time and talents, Go right ahead. Um, like Adam said last week, if you want to tithe on your time, that's 17 hours a week to serving God in the church. Um, if you, even if you served on Sunday, led a BLG, and serving the new common a couple hours a week, 
and you add all that together, that's only six to 10 hours, depending on if you count the gathering time as, as in your tithing time. Uh, so you gotta find seven to 11 more hours too. That's a lot. Um, but yeah, if you wanna do that, yeah, let's go, we'll take it. <laughs> go ahead, tithe on your time. Um, number nine, 10% is a lot. Can I start with a smaller percentage? And I just answer that question with a question and saying, is giving somebody 10% of something your understanding of generosity? Is giving God 10%, the one who's given you everything, your understanding of generosity? In Malachi, we mentioned that passage in chapter one. Just remember that, like giving God the seconds. There's a small part of me that wants to say, you should give what you can and just try to work up from there. But I know the human heart, guys, because I know my own heart, somewhat. Um, I think God knows it, and, and I think he would say this, that it's going to be a struggle whether you're at 1% or 2%, or 2% to 4%, right? You're doubling it at that point, 1 to 2, 2 to 4, right? and those are smaller than 10, so just start with 10. Uh, just, just return to God. Give him your heart. That's what this is all about. So just start, start with 10. Guys, again, it's a dime on the dollar, right? So... Um, yeah, that's, that's number nine. Uh, I just want to encourage you guys there. Yeah, just to, yeah. There's a, gosh, I got to cut out a lot here. So number 10, does giving to others in the community count towards my tithe? So does giving to others in the church, does that count towards my tithe? That's what a generous life looks like. Um, so if you support someone in the church, in the community, because they lost their job, uh, you want to help them pay their rent, you want to buy them a meal, whatever it is, do not put yourself back in the trap of legalism by subtracting that from your tithe. Okay, just live a generous life. Don't subtract that from your tithe again. God is not a God who keeps a ledger on us. Do not treat God like a cosmic stockbroker or a cosmic accountant who is, who is keeping an account balance or a ledger and saying, well, you know, you gave this much, you gave this much, so I need to return to you this much. If you, get in the, if you want to get in the game of saying, God, you owe me, and I gave, so you need to return to me, I don't think any of us want to be in that game. Because I, I guarantee you, we are all in the negative. We're all in the red. Guys, none of us are in the black. We're all in the red. Because God has given, given, given so much to us. So don't dollar and cents, God. Don't get into the, the why I gave here, so I expect God to give me this much back here, or even with interest, things like that. Guys, that's a dangerous game. Good news for us as followers of Jesus, we're in the red, and Jesus' blood gives us that red, which makes us white as snow. Like, live a life of generosity. Just live a life like Jesus did. And let him, let him just, guys, we're here worried about dollars and cents when he's given us eternity and every blessing. He's given you everything. I, again, we're talking about the dime on the dollar. If someone asked you back in the day when dimes could actually buy things, <laughs> can you spare a dime? That's actually a pretty big sacrifice because you're saying, well, can I spare a meal? Or, can I, can I, or part of a meal? Can I spare a liter of gas? Can I spare a phone call? Can I spare, you know, you, you could think about it as kind of a big ask. But if you had one back then, you'd probably help somebody out. These days, if someone says, can you spare a dime? You'd probably say, I, I don't remember the last time I seen a dime, but I have a loony, or I have a toonie right here, and you'd willingly give them 10 or 20 dimes. You wouldn't hesitate. 
right? That's, that's what the New Testament is trying to do for us. It's trying to release us into this, this full understanding of, of generosity instead of holding on to a dime, instead of holding on to a tenth. That's what you're doing. You have this dime in your hand, and you're just holding on to something that is of little temporal value. And if you do that, you can't receive what is of eternal, lasting value from God. Because in order to receive from God, we got to give open-handedly because we have to be able to receive open-handedly. And so live a life of generosity like that. God is saying to you this morning, devote yourselves first to me, return to me, test me, give me your life. Because if you do that, then giving anything else isn't that difficult. Return to me, he says, and I will return to you. And I'll give you a return you can't even imagine. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true that, um, that we can discern it, that, um, yeah, we can try to live by it. So for all of us, God, help us understand this well. Put us in the context of generosity and the context of what you've done for us, which is you've done everything. You've given us everything. So me giving everything back to you, that's nothing especially because all I can give is something temporal. You gave me something that was eternal. All I can give back to you is, is, is my life and my possessions. And so we give that to you this morning. You do, you do what you will with what I have, God. It's all yours. Because I also trust that you will never leave me, you will never forsake me, and you will always take care of me. And I love you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.